precedes power. Say it with me. Repentance precedes power. Amen. So, God has set out a plan. Whenever John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, what did he say? Anybody raise their hand and tell me the whole, whole phrase. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Was he talking about like a bottle of Clorox that had a lamb on it to take away all the sin and guts? What was he referring to? He was talking about Jesus, but the lamb. What kind of lamb? Passover lamb. There we go. So, uh, can anybody tell me what two sacrifices were made as just a free will offering ever recorded in the Word? Not a sin offering, a free will offering that God asked for. No, it's uh, you had the first couple. Their names are Adam and Eve, and they had two kids. Cain and Abel. God asked him to bring uh, an offering to them. Abel brought one of his livestock. Didn't specifically say what it was. And Cain brought something from the fields. Now, a heart, the heart matter has a lot to do with this. But from the very beginning, you see what God's favor and his blessing and his attention being paid to is not only the shedding of blood, but again and again and again, it seems to be the centerpiece of it, or the starting point, more or less, to be a lamb. Now, can you all tell me some of the requirements you all remember from last Sunday? What were the requirements about this lamb? It had to be how old? No broken bones. No, no broken bones. Without blemish, right? I have a Bichon, Bichon Friser. It's a beautiful white dog. You would mistake him for a lamb if you weren't careful. Uh, he probably wouldn't taste all that good. He eats chunks. But he has a little, uh, he has a black nose, but he has a little white spot where it's faded out on the tip of his nose. Would that, if he were a lamb, would that be acceptable? No. 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 It had to be the best that you had that you brought before the Lord. Okay. So I need a volunteer to come stand up here. Joy. 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 did. Let's do this. Do Mr. Adam right here. All right, well, Adam, stand up here. He's going to look super fine and delicious. Stand right over here. Hold that up. Adam is Captain Passover today. So what day did Passover happen in the first, happen in the first month? The 14th. Does everybody visualize world peace now, okay? All right, turn to Luke 4. <laughs> He does do that very well. You got it, Luke? All right. Okay, hold your place there at Luke 4. Let's go through a couple of things. We'll make sure y'all were there so we have to really spend time to get there later on. All right, during Passover, you had, well, a lamb and even though this lamb has a pink bow probably the one that they brought to the temple didn't have it it would be a white lamb without blemish so you know no punctured wounds on this lamb good to go I'm just to hold that lamb you were to bring a lamb and that lamb was to be slaughtered at what time actually they would hold it up like this imagine not so cute right hold up the neck like this and slice the throat let the blood pour out. So, as 
coordinated by God originally when delivering Israel out of Egypt. This is every single bit of what this typifies, delivering Israel out of Egypt. And Egypt typifies what? Starts with an S. Slavery. Slavery. Oppression. So, on the evening, so let's just say we're going from left to right, Adam's body is a timeline. <laughs> never heard that, did you? Big old timeline. As long as you don't cover the span of that one on the wall, you're good. So, at the evening, the end of the timeline right here, you would slaughter the lamb and uh, continue to, to prepare it for the feast, the meal that would happen. Now, I need one more volunteer. Brandon, come on up. What you had immediately preceding, and all these who watch UFC, this looks familiar. Oh, wow. you? I hold it. Stay really close to Adam, right? Now, the lamb would be slaughtered right here in between. It's meaning between the lights. What some rabbinical uh, uh, teachers teach is that when you see the three stars up in the sky, that the first sighting of those three stars, that's the bottom half of, or bottom part of the Big Dipper. When you could see those, that would be the, 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 the time period where the, the twilight, uh, dusk would be another way to put it, that this is when the lamb was to be slain. Now, as soon as that lamb was slain, you began the next day. Covering back from last week, Jewish days begin at what time? 6 p.m. When do they end? 6 p.m. the 24 hours minute. Good question. 3.30? All right. So we have 6 p.m. starts Adam. 6 p.m. ends Adam and simultaneously begins Brandon. So the 14th and the, what day is it? 15th. 15th day. Passover and... Unleavened bread. Very visual. Here we go. Okay. You have unleavened bread was the, was the 15th. Now, Leviticus 23 does not give a specific... Oh, let's do... Hold on. Hold your unleavened bread. There you go. <laughs> Leviticus 23 doesn't give a specific idea or a specific day for first fruits. It just says after the Sabbath. Now... The term Sabbath just means a day of no regular work. Your work ceases and stops. In fact, the direct interpretation of the Hebrew or the, the Hebrew uh, term and language is a holy convocation. It's a day set aside strictly for the Lord's use, none your own. Comparable to Easter for us, but that's a, a weekend anyway, but more so Christmas because it could fall at any point during the week. Same thing with this. This was the day that they rested. It's not the weekly Sabbath. This is declared as a Sabbath. Leviticus 23. Now, Nolan, stand up. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been called a, a fruit? <laughs> <laughs> You're a first fruit. <laughs> first fruit, join up. What happened the day after the Sabbath? Now, let's say, for instance, uh, there's a lot of different ways, but let's say there's a weekly Sabbath in between. Well, you would have to wait till after that Sabbath as well. But in this case, we have the 14th Passover, 15th unleavened bread, and 16th first fruits. Now, what first fruits would be? It'd be something very similar to our Christmas morning. 
you would have, this was a day that, that they, it was not a holy convocation. You could work. So after participating in Passover, preparing the meal all during the day, but at the end of the day, killing the lamb, eating the meal, which had unleavened bread, the lamb, we'll get to some four cups after that, you could do no regular work. You would come right into first fruits, and now you could go to the store. You could go to Walmart and buy what you needed. And you would take these first fruits, which were what kind of grain? Barley. Barley. Something kind of like this. Not the same, but it'd be the first crop to come out of the ground. Jesus is called what from mankind? The first fruits. He's the first one to come out of the ground. They would go and gather this and bring it on the day of first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord. They would go left, right, and I think frontward and backward. And it was a sign of good things, the blessings that God was doing for their land, for their economy that year, that his favor was with them. So hold this. Miss America, all day long. <laughs> so you really got laid across your arm like that. No, no I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, one more volunteer. Uh, Bob. <laughs> okay, Bob. Bob is about what? 38? A little older. A little older, okay. Now, what we have is three consecutive days, roughly, depending on where it fell in the week. 14th, Passover. Fall down the job there, buddy. 15th, unleavened bread. 16th, first fruits. Now, from this day, we count seven weeks. In fact, Pentecost is another name. Shavuot is the Hebrew term. It means the feast of weeks or seven weeks. Seven times seven is what? Forty-nine. Forty-nine. So forty-nine days from here. So let's count off forty-nine steps, bro. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so seven weeks. One, two. Count with me. Three, four, five, six, seven. All right, Bob. Stand right here. You see the gap, right? Yeah. Now this was the first harvest to spring up, and they would begin to gather this uh, this harvest, the barley harvest, at this point of first fruits. But the wheat was to remain untouched. It's a summer crop. It's in the third month. So from this time, wheat, which is very similar to barley, in fact, it's the, the nicer of the two, more quality, it would grow and come into maturity in this time. And it's just like they took the first fruit of barley here, they would take the first fruit of wheat and other grains and products that came up in the summer. And they would gather them here. Sorry, I didn't have anything for you to hold. <laughs> but at this time, they would they would bring in the first fruits, offer it to the Lord, and celebrate. Now, these are the the, the <clears throat> physical things that God put in place. And every single year, they went Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. The remaining three feasts are in the fall, somewhere around October, the seventh month of Tishri. Again, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Pentecost. Say it with me one more time. Very good. Again and again, they had the repetitious movement. It was a, a rehearsal that God would have them do again and again and again. Now, are you guys kind of like me? When you see the word old, it usually refers to something that needs to be thrown away, right? So when you see Old Testament, what's your first reaction? 
I want to throw it away. No. The way that it should be named, in fact, the way that, and in a way that it is named, the Tanakh is the entire compilation of the first 39 books of our Bible. It is the Bible of the Jewish people. What built upon that was the Newer Testament, and that's the writings of the Gospels of Paul, of John, of Peter. And they stack on top of that. If I call this foundation that's part of this building right now old and we need to do away with it, what happens to everything else that's built on top? It falls down. Without understanding the foundation that God has laid since the very beginning, everything else that you understand within Christianity comes crumbling down and you're left to your own devices to pick up the pieces and assemble it together. So if you want to know what was Jesus' resurrection, was all, what was it all about? Behold the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb that came to take away the sins of the world. If you did this for over 1,600 years, you should immediately see what you did every single year during Passover. Then unleavened bread, then first fruits, then Pentecost. No different than right now. We go into the stores, and each cultural season that we participate in, there's always an upcoming holiday or festival that we're about to celebrate in American culture. Because you go into Walgreens and guarantee, honey, they're going to have a holiday aisle, and it will be full of something all year round. Can I get an amen, Stephanie? Amen. Yes! <laughs> I said it for you. So there's always something coming up. Same thing with the seven feasts of God that he gave to Israel. There was always something to look forward to coming up. You doing okay, Bob? Kind of lonely? <laughs> okay, you need a chair, let me know. All right. Uh, actually, I don't want to start at Luke 4. I want to go to Exodus 6. And this is uh, something I, I kind of got backwards or missed on Sunday. I said Deuteronomy 6. And uh, one of our dear sisters in the Lord remains unnamed, Stephanie. She reminded me later that it was Exodus 6. Thank you very much. We're about building each other up. Hebrew Japanese term. Yes. Sticks in your mind. I would have y'all say that, but that may be kind of silly. All right, Exodus 6. During the meal or Seder of Passover. Now, let me just hit the pause button real quick. Say, well, you have a Seder during Passover, and this is when Jesus was killed. So what was the Last Supper? You were allowed to have an early Seder at, at this point, coming into this day. So when Jesus ate the Last Supper with the disciples, it was right here. Right? Yeah, Tuesday moving into Wednesday. So at this point, he eats the Last Supper with the disciples. That night, he's arrested. That late night and early morning, he's tried. He's on the cross uh, a little bit before 12, during that free time before that, beaten. Yeah, carries the, the, the cross to uh, Golgotha. He's on the, on, he's on the cross at 12. It goes dark from 12 to 3. Shortly after, he passes away. And by 6 p.m., he's in the grave. So, and at this time, when he died, all other Passover lambs, physical lambs, were being slain. And Brother Abel, can you share with us what it sounds like when a lamb is slain? Sounds like a baby crying. Screaming. Yeah. Now, for 10 days prior to this, you were to take this lamb, 
bring it into your house. I can't even go by Petco when they have adoption days for cats and dogs because I will bring one of these home. I'll fall in love with it. Well, you were to bring this lamb that was perfect. It was beautiful. Whenever you have your dog groomed, you will love one more because it's beautiful. It doesn't stink and look ugly. <laughs> you have this perfect lamb in your home for four days. You love it. The kids love it. We all love it. But at the very end, it's to redeem you. Its blood is to be a portion of setting you free. Jesus came into Jerusalem on the 10th. He was examined in every single way for four days. We see him go finally before Caiaphas. And they find fault with him because he had made himself equal with God or called himself God. They said, aha, we have something to accuse you on. Let's send him to, let's send him to the Romans. So he is killed that, that night. The next day was the Sabbath. It was unleavened bread. Now, let's go through Exodus 6, verse 6. Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. If I were to look at a pattern that God builds within the word again and again and again, almost like a rehearsal, like he's trying to get me to understand something. Like in school when a teacher says, if I say it more than once, what should I do? Write it down. Write it down. It's on the desk. It's on the desk. And I still failed English. <laughs> so, I have the, you have four cups during the meal of Passover, whether it occurred on the, the, the eve, or, sorry, rather, the eve before or during this point right here, you have four cups, and not four cups of grape juice. In fact, that's all we had because we ran out of wine. You have four cups of good quality wine, the best that you could bring. I like sugar. I like grapes, but I wouldn't think that grape juice is the best that I could bring. In fact, it was mandated by the Lord. You have this first cup, and when they would drink this first cup, we have you multitask here, brother. It would symbolize breaking this yoke of the Egyptians. Now, let's go to the, the physical. Yeah, don't, don't lick your arm and then slam it. <laughs> oh, you're laughing, you know what that is, don't you? <laughs> so, when they would, or the, the, what happened in Egypt is that it was the tenth plague, and God commanded them, hey, death is going to pass over and kill all the firstborn in this land to be saved, to be delivered, to be uh, not affected by this death that was going to pass over. You must kill a lamb. Take its blood, put it on your doorpost as a sign that you're falling under my yoke. If you no longer belong to Egypt, you fall under my yoke. So Jesus, as the Passover lamb for us in our spiritual walk, because we receive him as our lamb, it breaks the yoke of Egypt. Mm. It no longer has mastery over you. It is no longer able to oppress you. It will try. But what do you do every single time Egypt, every single time sin, or the world, what you used to belong to, what you used to, were cap used to be captive to, you point back and you say, no, I partook of the lamb. His blood is over my doorpost, and you are in uh, trespassing. You're illegally entering into my life. I declare you and your yoke broken. 
I am underneath Yahweh's yoke. What they would eat with that lamb that night, first of all, they would do it in haste, quickly. When Jesus is put before you, whatever it is, the next phase that you're supposed to walk with him in your life, and he's asking you to consume it, that revelation, that next step, whatever it is, do it quickly. In fact, that's almost the same terminology he told Judas. Not necessarily partaking of the Passover lamb, more betrayed. But you would eat that lamb in haste with bitter herbs. That bondage of Egypt is supposed to be bitter. There's some 80s and early 90s songs that I cannot listen to. Because maybe if Nolan or Brandon listens to them, they have a different association with that song. But for me, that's bitter herbs. When I hear that song, when I see that movie, I remember that, that ill taste of what my life used to be in Egypt. So they would have the Passover lamb with bitter herbs. And then they would have unleavened bread. We talked about this on Sunday. Unleavened bread is bread that doesn't have yeast in it to make it rise. This, with yeast, turns into this. It gives it a nice, full richness. In fact, what the word uh, calls the unleavened bread is chametz. It was sour leaven. Egypt is old news. Sin is old news. I don't care how new they try to make sin appear, it is old news. It always leads to the end result of death. Always. It is sour. And what you would do in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or, or prior to that, you would go throughout your house and you would gather this old or sour leaven. And when you would make it into a ball, at the end, or at some point, you would get rid of it. You would burn it in a fire. Now, you would have a second cup during this Passover feast that you would drink going back to Exodus 6. So the first one was breaking the yoke of the Egyptians. Second, I will free you from being slaves of them. When Jesus, his blood as the Passover lamb, washes over us, it not only breaks that yoke of being bonded to the world and to Egypt, but it also delivers us from sin. It makes me free from sin. Whenever you're struggling with sin, sinful thoughts, being tempted to do whatever, you use God's word just like Jesus did in the desert when he was tempted and realize that you have the power in his yoke to have that old sour leaven lumped up and thrown into the fire. You remind it, you're dead. You're dead. I did away with you through the blood of Jesus and through partaking of his unleavened bread. Thirdly, first fruits. You got everything? Okay. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Jesus' resurrection was not only a defeat of a defeat of death, but it's also the springing up of hope and the very thing Paul points to in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, without his resurrection, your trust, your faith is futile. It has absolutely no substance, no meaning. It's through Jesus being the first fruit, the first out of the earth, that we look to 
And we say it's with that power that he's able to grab us and bring us near. You do not have the ability or did not have the ability to go into the presence of the living God before Jesus got there. Now, it's kind of a twist in terms. His, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid. So the high priest every year in the, one of the latter feasts went and they, they appeared before God's presence. But Romans makes it very clear it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats that made that high priest clean, but it was the foreshadow of what Jesus would do that made that high priest clean. What I'm saying is that when Jesus died, that veil was torn. It was rent. The, a way for you to approach and come near to God was made open. And because he resurrected from the dead, now every single one of us have the hope of the exact same thing. It is the, the final thing where death has mastery, I mean where sin has mastery over. Sin is at work in my body. Romans 6 says it very clear. I fight with it. I tell it no. I war with it. But it's only through Jesus' power of being the first fruit from the earth, only in, in his power, not Nolan's, in Jesus's, it's only in Jesus' power that we have the ability to say, no sin, you're no longer my master. And these things are building. When you start at Passover, the goal is to get to Pentecost. Our, our holidays are disconnected. Does anyone ever start New Year's with the idea that it's going to build through Easter and Fourth of July and Labor Day all the way into Christmas? No. That, they're all disconnected. Maybe New Year's and, and Christmas are lumped together. That's why kids get one total week off from work or school <laughs> or two. But the way that God set this up, his culture, his tradition was that I'm going to start Passover with the intent of eventually getting to Pentecost. And all of these build on each other. No different than the blood of Jesus as the Passover lamb occurs in your life and as a result it builds in the removal of sin and as a result you gain the hope of the resurrection at work inside of you. Mm -hmm. you do you all see this? Mm -hmm. And then let's move on to the fourth one. A fourth cup was taken during the Seder. Let's go back to Exodus 6 verse 7. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Paul says that the Spirit of God is a deposit in us guaranteeing what is to it's the equivalent of a king's signet ring on you giving you that identity guaranteeing a promise part of a covenant with you of what was to come and what was what is to come is the resurrection and that is the hope here that we see and that you also see here this is the resurrection of Jesus eventually this is the resurrection of all the earth but temporarily Jesus withhold withheld that fourth cup and he said ah, I'm not going to drink this one anew until I'm with you until you're in my kingdom 
the other three latter feasts help show the fulfillment of how Jesus will return. So in the temporum, he deposited his spirit. He poured out his spirit on all mankind, just like Joel said it would happen, as so that we could be his witnesses, so that we could be the representation and identity of Jesus on earth. It would give us the empowerment. Now, let's go back to here. Salvation begins with the Passover lamb. Galatians 3.16, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. You are all rescued from the Passover of death through partaking of the Lamb. The byproduct is, is that you're free from sin. The hope from being free from sin and partaking of the Lamb is that now you have the promise of the resurrection being at work in you, and I will set my identity upon you to be a proper representation of who I am. Doing what we did tonight during worship and not having the ability to lay our hands on a sister and let the resurrection power of Jesus flow through us, however you want to put it prepositionally, but flow and come and heal her body in a, in a smaller way, dealing with death, dealing with the results of sin at work in our body, the decay that's happening. If I deny that power, then I'm not participating in all the feasts that God is trying to set up in our lives. He poured out his spirit on Pentecost, specifically Pentecost, because he wanted them to experience and receive his identity, his taking them as his own people so they could be a proper representation of that. Now, whenever you had Moses on Sinai, he got the first two tablets with God's commands on them. He came down, and what were the people doing? They were worshiping the... Oh, man. Sin's back. Brandon dropped the unleavened bread. Yeah. Check it. So they were worshiping the golden calf. They were rebelling against the living God. They had, I mean, come on, imagine you walking through the Mississippi River, split in half on dry ground, look behind you and see your enemy swallowed up in this engulfed water. And then you go a little bit further, you go to Mount Sinai, you don't see your leader for 40 days. And between that 40 days, you lose all hope and begin to worship the gods that you used to back in Egypt? Oh, bad Israelites, right? Mortgage hasn't been paid in two months. See where I'm going with this? Times are hard. I just lost my job. Mm, I think I'm going to go do some old things that I used to do before I got born again to make some money. That's exactly the same. That's not waiting on God's law. And what I mean by law is not as a burden. Every single bit of this is freedom, 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 freedom. Everything that God gives is absolutely about freedom. When he looked at Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said, you are free to eat of any tree in this garden except these two. You are free. From the very beginning when God created man and the entire creation, his goal was to establish freedom, liberation. Do not be in bondage. And because they couldn't get it right on their own, 
eventually he had to set up a system that, okay, you know, you're not picking up very good here, I'm going to give you a tutor. I'm going to give you a method of rehearsal again and again and again to where it'll be so ingrained in you when the real thing happens, it'll be so evident. And not just the real thing of Jesus the Passover lamb. That's, that's very well understood from the scriptures. But through Jesus the Passover lamb, I am freed from sin. And when you begin to see the correlation of these cups in Exodus 6 and these feasts, when you read Corinthians, when you read the remainder of the New Testament Gospels and writings, you see that pattern that God established, that pattern of deliverance and freedom. You know the word saved also means to be delivered and also means healed? They're synonymous. Anybody in here ever had lower back pain? When you get healed of it, when it goes away, you're delivered, honey. Because before, I was in bondage to my couch. My couch had me. It had me in the full Nelson. I couldn't move. But when my body was, was held, I mean, when my body was healed, I was, I was set, set free. Oh, boy, here we go. So the end goal is to finally get to Pentecost. So whenever someone says, well, you must speak in tongues to be saved, no, 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 no. I'm saved through the Passover lamb. But to be his witness properly, I must partake of the outpouring of Pentecost. I must partake of this liberation, this freedom to be moved and have his spirit as an identity moving through me. I take on his identity as the Passover lamb. Amen. I take on his identity of delivering me from uh, sin. I take on his identity of first fruits. Why not take on his identity of Pentecost, Amen. of Shavuot, of this promise so that you could be delivered? Now, going back to Exodus, what happened uh, whenever Moses came down? They were worshiping other gods. They went back to their old habits. Levi pulls out the sword, his clan, 3,000 were slain that day. Go to Acts 2. Y'all doing good? There. There. Y'all cracking jokes? Do there. I don't know about y'all, but having a, a physical thing to look at and then think about and place it in helps me. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this helping? Y'all yeah. get yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Now. <laughs> okay. 2 verse 1. When the day of, I'm going to stand by Bob over here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Very good, love the sound effect. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Real, real quick pause. Why would God-fearing Jews be assembled in Jerusalem? Mm, the 120 were hiding. <laughs> but from all nations, they were gathered in Jerusalem because 
This, along with Passover and one other fall feast, way down here, were one of the three times a year that all Jews were commanded to come to Jerusalem and participate in this feast. All the others, they could go back home to. Whenever Jesus rose and spoke with the disciples, he said, wait where? Oh, wait in Jerusalem. So what they, he had them wait, he didn't let them go back home to Galilee. He said, okay, right here, first fruits, or shortly after. Stay, stay in Jerusalem until this time in Pentecost. Now, what, what would have been easier if you're scared about those who just killed your leader? It would be to run back home. But no, God wanted them to stand in the uncomfortable place and stay in Jerusalem until he poured out his spirit initially at Jerusalem. And that would be the epicenter where we go out from that point. When the Great Commission was given, it was not just a Great Commission to go speak about the Passover lamb or just to speak about that and the unleavened bread of removal, removal of sin or just of his resurrection. But now we move fully into power to be his witness. If there was anything that the nation of Israel lacked, Whenever Moses went up on the mountain, they lacked the ability to identify with sacrifice, to do away with sin, to participate in the hope of defeating death, and the ability to be his proper witness. So we'll read further on in two. Uh, let's skip to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Now, this is Pentecost, right? From here all the way to here, 49 days or 50 days. Then we have this one and this one. Back at this point, Peter did what to Jesus three times? Denied him. Would you call that being a proper witness? No. Would you teach that in a witnessing class at your church? No. But once he went through all these feasts, and at this point at Pentecost, 52 days later, he received God's Spirit from on high and was properly enabled to be his witness. And the first thing he did, he stood up in front of the same people that saw Jesus crucified. The same people sneering and jeering at him. And he said, uh, fellow Jews and all of you live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the, was spoken by the prophet Joel. And we're pretty all familiar what happened after that point. 3,000 people were saved. Moses came down off Mount Sinai with the first set of rules and laws, and they were in rebellion, and 3,000 were slain. Now, with the outpouring of his spirit, culminated by the previous three feasts and the three cups, 3,000 are born again. In some manner of speaking, 3,000 were slain when Peter addressed the crowd. They were cut to their heart. They were circumcised. The old man died away that day. 3,000 were resurrected, spiritually speaking. Now, side note. 
Real quick, we're almost out of here, guys. During unleavened bread, you got rid of all the old yeast. You made it into a clump, eventually it was burned. During this time, commanded by the Lord, you were to bring two loaves of bread made with yeast as a sacrifice during this feast. So what's the difference? I thought just God hated sin, therefore he hated leaven. No, not so. Hey, bro, that's over your hole. Very good. <laughs> Better watch out for Bob. He probably has a water bottle in his pocket. <laughs> He's good about bringing water. That's a good brother. No, not necessarily. Just like paralleling in the Word, when Paul talked about uh, old things have passed away and all things have become new, the inference is old leaven, old Egypt, old habits, old ways of, of living. Because y'all can all agree, cooking is part of living. Mm-hmm. Was gathered up and it's done away with. What God was looking for, that was the leaven of sin. What he was looking for was a new leaven, a new ability, which would be comparable to the leaven of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And that to present at this point. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these feasts, and when you read in the Word, are a roadmap to the character of God and what He's trying to say to mankind. Freedom, 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 freedom. The last three that come later on in the seventh month of the year. Freedom, freedom, freedom. If Christianity ever at any point gets to in your life to where it is a yoke of burden and begins to remind you of being a slave to Egypt, something isn't right. You are missing it, not God. You are missing the pattern that he's trying to show you. And it's probably like what Paul said, a goading into what God's will really is because you are off track. He's trying to show you, this is my freedom, this is my freedom, this is my freedom. Now, it just so happens to be that sometimes freedom comes from having to go through sacrifice. That moving your whole family from one state to another, doing without financially, whatever it may be, is the means that God's asking you to go through so you can eventually get to freedom. Late night TV all over the place. So-and-so's DVD on how to be financially free. Right? You see it all the time. Honestly, the way that God has instituted for us to be financially free, and hear me out, I'll clarify later, is through your obedience in all areas of your life. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the children beg for bread. When you are obedient to God in all areas of your life, and I don't mean just sitting in this chair and being in this building and nodding up and down and saying amen. I mean who you are outside of here. Who you are with your checkbook. And, and first, first, tithe, but also what happens after this? Do you just drop something in the box and expect to gain favor with God? not read the word, not live as you should outside these walls. When you meet somebody that is in need, your heart's callous and you don't recognize it. You know, there are two terms. There's tithes and there's offerings. (laughs) Both of which God is looking for. And it should hurt. It should be a sacrifice. But eventually it leads to financial freedom. To have, quote-unquote, manna, 
show up on my front door, means of provisions that only God could orchestrate and give, that is financial freedom. That's faith freedom. That's trusting in God on a weekly, if not monthly basis, and watching him meet my needs every single time. One of the best words that me and Cass got before we moved from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to here was that God was going to give us a perfect spoonful and bite. It wasn't too much and it wasn't too little. Wow, that sounds eerily familiar. The exact phrase used whenever people gathered manna when they were in the desert. People being Israel. Guys, y'all gonna have a seat. All right, last but not least, Luke 4. So we've gone through the feast, we've gone through what Jesus does for us as the Passover lamb, who he is for us in the unleavened bread, the feast of unleavened bread, who he is for us as the first fruits, and who he is in us as the as Pentecost or Shavuot. You come to that point where you just go, okay, I'm ready to go. What do we do now? Luke 4 is beautiful. All right, let's start in verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. We call that a serve. You know that point in tennis where you toss the ball up, and you're about to just crush it. Let's read on. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his... You mean Jesus was a Jew? Yes, he was a Jew. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. In a way, he chose what, we, what he was going to read, but another way, it was God's divine timing of what he was about to read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Let's pause right there. Where did we end up with our first four feasts? Pentecost, right? right? An outpouring of God's Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Steve. It's upon Larissa. It's upon Alicia. <clears throat> Everybody in this room. So what applies here, the mission statement, the thesis of why Jesus is on earth, why Steve Richard is born again and spirit-filled, rescued from death, delivered from sin, and empowered by his spirit to take on the identity of Jesus? Why? We come to that point, why? Let's read on. Because he has anointed Steve Richards to preach good news to the poor. He has sent Steve Richards to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you ever wonder, what's my call? What am I supposed to do? I think it's to move here, do this, do that. Start with the foundation that God has already laid. 
and let it build from that point forward. This call, this purpose is for every single one of us. The reason that you're born again, the reason that your spirit filled, his spirit is upon you. It's because he's ready to use you. I do not go into Home Depot with the idea of, I will buy this tool for 300 bucks and hang it on my wall. No, I will put it through the mud, constructing what I have designed to do. The reason that you are born again and fill the spirit is not to sit pretty in a sanctuary of birds for people to look at. You are designed to be drugged through the mud. You're designed to work hard at building his kingdom. And that is encompassed in exactly what he read in Isaiah 61. So you guys go ahead and stand up. When we look at that sign on the back door, it says, perform out there what you practiced in here. Angie came down front, and we prayed for her to be healed. This fits within Isaiah 61. And in all essence, that is practice. As you're being led by the Spirit in your job, in Walmart, wherever it may be, have your eyes open. Look for the opportunities that Jesus is trying to put in front of you to set the captive free. He freed you through Passover. He freed you through unleavened bread, first fruits, and freed you through Pentecost. Now you're supposed to do something with that freedom. So keep your eyes open. Let's join hands. Mighty Jesus, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your standard that you have laid out for all men to see, focused through the nation of Israel, but affecting every single nation. That, Lord God, you came to set us free. Free from our own will, free from sin, free from death, and free from being, being led by just our carnal thoughts. We thank you, Jesus, for empowering every single one of us to do what you have done, and if not more, because it's more of us. Lord God, let your leaven of the kingdom of God work through us, Jesus. Let us be your hands and your feet, and let us keep our eyes open, recognizing the opportunities that you have set up for us to construct and build into. Jesus, show us how to set the captives free. And preach good news to the poor, the meek, those that are oppressed. We love you, mighty God. And we thank you for resurrecting from the dead and pouring out your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen.